Welcome to the latest bonus episode of the Northern Spin Podcast. My name is Michael Taylor. As always, I'm joined by Chris Maguire. In a second, we're going to be hearing from a very special guest. But before then, a few thank yous. Chris. I normally describe as a cheeky chappy from Chorley or the Archbishop of Banterbury last week. So uh, uh, thanks for the introduction, Michael. I'm very excited by our guest who is uh, to my right, to your left. Uh, but before we find out her identity, we couldn't do this without our friends at What Media, who produces podcasts, and our friends at Oscar Technology, our sponsors, without whom we simply couldn't produce this every week, including the bonus editions. So thank you very much to them. Now, today's special guest is a woman in politics who is interesting to me because as well as being Labour, she also runs her own business. She's also incredibly real. She's very, very funny. She's authentic. It's not something we can say about a lot of politicians. She is the one and only Elise Wilson. Hello. Hello. You're allowed to say something now. <laughs> yeah, hello. Thanks for having me. Okay. You're welcome. So until last week, Elise and I worked together, but while I, have, while I may have lost a boss, I've gained a real friend, someone I trust, support and champion. So that's full disclosure. So Elise, welcome to the Northern Spin podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for saying that. No, you're welcome. It's worth saying though, let's just explain the situation for those people who don't know, because we don't want a Stockport loving. Okay, you were the leader of Stockport Council, you're the Labour leader of Stockport Council. Um, I interviewed you at an event um, in Shop Blocks actually, in Stockport earlier this year. You were with um, Steve Oliver, Music Magpie, he came across uh, Stockport County with Air as well, he came across really well, really authentic. Uh, Michael was, uh, you worked with Michael the Labour group as well. He's left to take up the reins at a business desk as well. Um, what are you doing now other than reaching a career high by taking part in this Northern Spin Extra podcast? So I am no longer the leader of the council um, after the elections that took place in May. I now um, lead, still lead the Labour group, but I lead in opposition um, uh, on the council. Okay, because you don't strike me as being somebody who would fit very neatly into the background because you're somebody who has really moved the dial in Stockport. I mean, there are 10 local authorities in Greater Manchester and we can all point the finger at those which don't seem to be doing a lot, but people keep talking about Stockport as being forward thinking. You see the level of development going on there, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of that took place under your watch as well. Um, you are a, a very deep character as well because uh, we could... Um, Bonjour, Elise. Et vous? Uh, um, bonjour, Chris. <laughs> okay, just for those people who don't speak French like you, um, that was all I learned in French. Incidentally, I was told I couldn't carry on with French because I was that bad. But you are fluent in French, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just explain how that came about because I can't imagine there are many people in Stockport, and I'm not casting aspersions on the people of Stockport, but I can't imagine many people be fluent in French. Um, no, you don't come across it very often, but um, yeah, uh, my mum's French and my mum's family are therefore all French and my dad is actually from West Gorton, which is not quite the same thing at all. <laughs> that's not quite, um, as, that's no, not quite as romantic, is it? No, but they met in Stockport, which is, which is nice. How did a, your mum, who's French, meet somebody from Gorton in Stockport? Oh. Gorton's in Manchester. Yeah, I know it's in Manchester, but how did they come, come to be living in Stockport? Yeah. Okay, so my mum failed her... Oh, gosh, she's not going to thank me for this. My mum failed her baccalaureate because she uh, failed on her English. So my grandmother decided, best thing, ship my mother off to, Fra to England as an au pair to improve her English. And she went to Stockport College and um, did English as a foreign language. In the meantime, my dad was an apprentice at what is now WFEL, and it, also based in Stockport. Yeah. And um, he was going one day a week to Stockport College to do an engineering qualification. And the 
I had to do a general studies qualification at the same time. The teacher that taught my dad general studies taught my mum English as a foreign language. She said to the, because back then, it was all lads did engineering, all the au pairs were women, you know, it, that, that's how it was back then. So she said to the lads, I know you go to the Nelson pub after college, can you, can I interest you in getting the au pair girls and taking them for a drink who need to practice their French? That's a blind image. And they're really, I don't need to tell you the rest of the story <laughs> no, no. from that. That'll do. Think that'll, that'll do. do. Oh, that's fantastic. So, Elise, do you remember when Chris interviewed you over the summer as he referred to that event at Shop Blocks? Re really great event, a lot of energy in the room. And he mentioned that he found it quite unusual that both you and Angela Rayner both grew up on Bridgel, which is an estate uh, to the south of Stockport town centre. And, and it's actually where you launched Angie's um, deputy leadership campaign, wasn't it? Yeah, we did. So you and Angie are good pals, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't surprised in the slightest that she came back to uh, Bridgel to launch her deputy leadership uh, campaign. I was there, I opened it, it was my first ever um, major like press moment because Angela Rayner was launching her deputy leadership bid and in front of us there was this row of like cameras and people with microphones and journalists and so it was a little bit nerve-wracking but yeah it was really good not a surprise in the slightest to me. One of the other occasions when that happened to you, you will have been stood alongside Andy Burnham as one of the leaders in GM when he did his King of the North moment in his North Face jacket on the steps of the library and then he did it again at the Bridgewater Hall didn't he? I am, you, yeah. you were there? I was, I was there and at the Bridgewater Hall this, uh, again I was asked to speak in front of all of these all of this press so but that I'd already had my first my first induction with Andrew on that yeah. um, and there's a photo there's an, there's an artist on uh, that I saw on Facebook who represented that whole piece and she's got all the leaders, she's painted all the leaders oh, wow. with Andy in the middle of it um, from that moment. Um, I, I, one of the reasons we do the podcast extra, it's an opportunity to really find out about people who are in the public eye and we want people to find out about you. I said earlier that you come across as really authentic. Now, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you'll know what I mean, but I'm looking at you now and your fingernails are quite literally a work of art. I mean, every <laughs> single fingernail is different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just explain the reason behind that. I mean, So, in a previous life, I trained to be a nail technician. Did you? And I did, at, again, at Stockport College. And um, because I, I fancied it, and, that's what I, and I did it. And then I met friends there, and I go, and now I don't do them myself. Uh, I have a, a friend uh, called Natalie, who works at Polish. That's her business. It's another small business in Stockport. Um, and again, a business that's probably, I would say, got half a dozen, maybe eight members of staff. Um, and people, me, uh, women that are working there, you all probably self-employed. Um, and um, bless her, Natalie did them to it for me. Well, I think people need to know that um, because that's the sort of insight that I like to provide. This is what I provide. Michael does the heavy politics stuff. I like to talk about fingernails. Let's talk about the Labour Party. Okay, so your mum's French, your dad's from Gorton. They meet in Stockport. They get together. How did you end up in the Labour Party? Oh, well, I was born into the Labour Party. My dad was a trade unionist. Um, he was a shop steward and a convener. Um, so really quite seriously, heavily involved in the trade union movement and um, a member of the Labour Party. Um, my and mom, still is. And still is. And my mum, my mum's French. Um, my, and I don't know, I don't know if I need to make any more explanation really, but my mum's French and um, they were also very political, also very left wing. And so 
Um, we, I was brought up in it. I, I remember being in a pushchair, um, going to demonstrations in London and on the train. And was that where you first stuff. met Michael Taylor? Who was <laughs> probably protesting against something that you can't remember. No, I no I'm Mike. from Lancaster, not from Stockport. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, um, you've interrupted Elise there where she was in full flow talking to you about her roots in the Labour Party and her dad, Vince Meadows, who's an absolute legend in the Reddish South Labour Party, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, that's yes, an absolute legend. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you've made a significant contribution to the rise of Stockport. I think that's fair to say. But your work there is done now. Um, so what was behind your decision to not stand next year before the all-out elections, which is a big opportunity for Labour to take control of the council again? It is a big opportunity for Labour. My decisions were mine, uh, taken for, for personal reasons. And um, politics and being a politician is a uh, seven-day-a-week kind of job. And um, even in local government, it is um, that kind of level of commitment. So I've done several years now as a, as a politician, um, three years as leader of the council um, through a pandemic. We also had at the beginning of my term of office, Todd Brook Reservoir disaster. I don't know if yeah. you remember that crisis. That was going um, to flood all of Stockport, wasn't it? Yeah, it well, burst. it was Whaley Bridge and yeah, yeah the, 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 it and was into Bramall. Into Bramall, it was it was significant, and um, so it wasn't even like we had. Not only did we have to do all the things that you do in local government, but you also had all of this crisis to deal with at the same time. What we've been able to achieve in Stockport in that time frame, I think, is is huge. And it's a testament to what you can do in local government when you put a place first, when you take like a place-based approach. You had Nicola Hedlam in recently yeah. and she talked about it very much, about how if you put, if, if you're leading for Stockport, that you, you think about what's right for Stockport, you do what's right for Stockport and importantly what's right for the people of Stockport. And I think if you focus on that and, and you keep going and bring that energy, then that's, uh, you can get exciting things done. But that requires a lot of, of of yourself to put in at the cost of other things. I, I, as Chris said earlier, I run my own business with my husband. Um, we've we've got children. We we have like all the other things that other normal people have in their lives. And so um, this is an opportunity now to um, maybe rebalance some of that demand that that has been on my time as a, as a politician. As I want well. to put you on the spot. And I know, obviously, you've worked with Michael for a long time, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to dominate the next part of the conversation. But um, your 16-year-old daughter, what's her name? Catherine. She's, she's her birthday today. Yeah. I know Northern Spin's very popular with the teenagers. So happy birthday to you, Catherine. I know you're listening to this. Um, I want to put you on the spot. Uh, about a couple of things. One is that we had Vimla Apogee on the podcast last week. She's 30 years of age. Um, she wants to become an MP. Uh, what advice would you offer her or other women looking to get in politics? And given the fact that you are, you're in your 40s, and I think we're okay saying that, you've got this experience as a politician, you've rubbed shoulders with the great and the good, um, surely, surely you would be a perfect MP in Keir Starmer's government should they win the next general election, which looks likely. Can you so, give us an exclusive here? Northern's been exclusive. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be an MP. Um, it's not something I'm looking to do. Um, and I would say, for somebody who is presenting a podcast called Northern Spring, promoting the fact that we should take our talent 
and talented women like Vimla should seek to become an MP and disappear off to Westminster, I think is kind of counter what we're trying to achieve here. The point is, and, and I believe in this quite passionately, that local government um, has capacity and the north and places outside Westminster generally have talent. We've seen it on Bridgeall with Angela Rayner, Phil Foden also from Bridgeall, me. Yeah. You know, there's people, there's talent outside of Westminster and the, the future has to be about how we put those places on the map, how we encourage and foster success for the people outside of Westminster, wherever that is. I would obviously say in the North, and because I'm from the North, but, but I think it's relevant wherever you are. Um, and I think that the, the time of that centralised um, brain drain to London has got to end, and we need to be thinking about how we um, bring more balance across the country to that and see success. That's how we're going to you know, really get Britain firing on our cylinders. But, but, and then one of the recurring themes of the Northern Spring podcast is that talent and leaving is spread, but opportunity isn't. Yes. And that's a real problem in the North as well. So you talk a lot of sense. Even people who weren't of your political persuasion would like you, I'm sure. Um, I'm not a Tory, contrary to what Michael says. Um, but, but um, you know, I'm not a Labour. I'm, I'm, I'm much more down the middle if you like but 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 i'm very frustrated by what's happening with the conservative government uh, certainly recently as well but the idea that you've got all this experience that you talk so much sense that you are a real person that i can ask you a question about your fingernails and you're not you know you talk about it you just give a straight funny humorous answer as well um the idea that you might be lost to politics is a massive massive problem for me um so what do we do about that? Tell all your friends all that <laughs> lovely <laughs> stuff you've just yeah. said about me. What shall I tell him? What shall I, what, what shall I tell him? No, I, I'm not lost. I have always been involved in politics. I was, I was, like I said earlier, I was born into this. My parents were into it. I'm passionate about politics. I'm passionate, though, equally, maybe even more so, about making change happen, positive change, change that's going to make things better for people generally. And so I'm not going to step away from doing that. I actually want to continue to work on that and lean into it. Um, so I won't be gone, but I'm just not going to do the role that I was doing. I'm not continuing to do that role now. Michael's returning back to journalism for the first time in 10 years. He's just uh, taken the gig at uh, Business Desk as the editor. Um, could you see a situation where you take time out from politics with a view to coming back? Um, I don't know what you mean by taking time out to politics. Politics is something like, probably like you, in that you do it every day. It's, it's, you're interested in it, so it's always part of what you do. But I would say I, there is a, a, an exciting moment for our business, so there's a bit of um, energy that needs to be put into to that at the minute. There's also... Um, it's butcher's, you know, butcher's business, isn't it? Yeah, meat, yeah. meat business. Yeah, and then there's also other things that I've got going on at the minute. I'm doing a piece of work... Um, with uh, Bob Kerslake in uh, Cambridge and Peterborough Combined Authority. Um, and, you know, that piece about how we raise, you know, business is good. Businesses can do great things. Businesses are something to bring to the solution, to add to the solution, to solve the problems that we have as society. But how do we um, broker those relationships with the public sector and other parts of society to ensure that actually we are all going in that same direction. 
Um, and I think there's still a space for me in there um, and I still intend to work and, and be involved in, in making a difference for Stockport, for Greater Manchester and for local government generally. I think it's worth saying at this point, Elise, as well, that um, there's no money in politics, is there, at a local level? I mean, we, at no point could we say, why are you turning back on all the riches of lo that local government has brought you? It's not. It's a, it's a part-time role that people are expected to do it around their work, which in many ways is why local government, if you look at the council chambers across Greater Manchester, they're dominated by very the very young and the very old. You're actually a bit of an outlier in the fact that you're of working age and how difficult it is. Is there more that can be done to help, particularly women of working age, to be able to contribute more to, the, to, to politics in all its different shapes and sizes? Yeah, definitely. The, the, the issue, the thing with local government is, as a councillor, as a local government politician, um, you are. It's a civic duty. It's called. So you are, in fact, volunteering your time. And it would be remiss of me not to say there is an allowance that comes with that. But it isn't a salary. There is no pension contributions. There is nothing that you would expect to find if you were employed in a role, or you were an MP, or even a metro mayor. So, so it, uh, you know. But it can affect things like your mortgages, your access to benefits, all kinds of other things that, that, that affect people in life. So it does appeal to only a certain kind of demographic. I was, I was, I am quite rare in, 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 as a demographic in local government politics. Um, I was, I think, the first um, working-age woman to be a leader of a council in Greater Manchester. And there was a famous picture where there was all men um, uh, for, George Osborne. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, for Greater Manchester. Now we're seeing that change, thankfully and wonderfully, with some great women leading councils, not least Bev Craig and Amanda Chatterton, um, who, who have done a superb job. But we do, there, there isn't the level of support that you, I think, you really need to be able to do it. And don't, mis don't misunderstand local government in that. We focus on the MPs and the national government, how brutal it is and how, you know, how unpleasant it can be on social media or with the media generally and how disproportionate um, that is towards women generally or anybody um, with, you know, protected characteristics, they call it. But, you know, you're black, you're brown, you're, you're a person of colour, you're disabled. You, you know, it's even harder for you generally to get involved. And I think... That is the same. It's the same in local government. You, you are you 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 are under you know immense pressure, and it can be really negative what comes back at you. Yeah, fair point. And anyway, you've been very loyal. It's fair to say to every Labour leader, um, in ways that I definitely haven't been. How do you think Keir and Anja doing? And I and I very much say that as a as a thinking of them as a double act. I think you should think of them as a double act. I think. What we're seeing now, not just with Kay uh, and Ange, um, but also with um, Rachel and and the whole of that, you know, shadow cabinet is a team. You, you, you're really starting to see people that are different personalities, uh, different approaches coming together for a shared purpose. And that's why I think the next, you know, the next government is going to be a Labour government because there is... an there is that shared sense of purpose and that shared sense of direction um, and, an, uh, you know, an inclusivity, if you like. Um, Andrew and Kira are very different and that's a good thing um, because there you see the different colours and the different, and the different uh, 
yeah, the different angles, the different views of what the Labour Party is about, and we're all of those things, um, and we need to continue to be all of those things um, uh, and work together as that team, yeah, definitely. You just mentioned uh, about the fact that, um, you know, it's great to see more women getting into politics and getting into uh, senior roles in local government as well. Quick shout-out to Lynn Risdale. Uh, she also succeeded Jeff Little as Chief Executive of Bury Council. I know Donna Hall quite well. She used to be the um, Chief Executive of Chorley Council and then she became the Chief Executive of um, Wigan Council as well. She's been very outspoken, very prolific on social media as well. Do you think women in politics, whether it's the leader of council or the chief executive, it's harder for them because Donna Hall, um, I'm not breaking any confidences, she had to deal with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think people hold uh, women to different standards. I was interviewed recently. Right? I'll give you a really good example. I was interviewed recently uh, to be asked about Angela Rayner. And the question I got asked about Angela Rayner was, she recently attended um, Andy Burnham's um, like a charity about event. homelessness yeah 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 about homelessness and she did a set and she was dancing and um, she was enjoying herself there and I was asked whether or not I think Angela Rayner's flavorous because she's you know because she was dancing and she wasn't you know being serious but I wasn't asked about that about Andy Burnham who was at the same event yeah. who was also yeah. a seasoned politician I was asked about that about Angela Rayner, why? The, the difference has to be, because she's a woman, we don't expect her to be able to go and hold this kind of event and lean into a cause that's, that's worthwhile, um, that's important to the people of Greater Manchester, um, and that we're really proud of the success that we're having on that. That, that, that to me, and I really, that really annoyed me, can you tell? Yeah. Really annoyed me, because I'm like, you're not asking this. If Rishi Sunak went out and did something to like, and enjoyed himself, you'd think he's entitled to have a moment yeah. of doing that. Why, why would that be different for Angela Rayner? Well, it's more than that. In our, in our podcast this week, uh, we recorded earlier in the week, um, Chris mentioned the fact that Andy Burnham went to the night and day cafe. And that's a great thing because he's a guy who goes to gigs. Nobody says, oh, does that therefore make him frivolous? You'd never, it never occurred to you to say No, that, not at it? all, not at all. And I think that's, look, you're a real person. You like a laugh. You know, we can talk about, you know, your nails. And we were talking last week when we were talking to Vimla that actually you become very aware and, you know, very self-conscious about asking questions because you're worried about, like, I don't like to use the word wokeism and stuff like that. You worry about that. But I think Angela Rayner, I think that's an interesting point because people saw it. That event got more publicity on the back of Angela Rayner doing a set than anything else from the event itself. Um, and it's right, are they asking you that question? Do you think they're asking you that question because you're a female? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, we've seen um, Matt Hancock go in the jungle, haven't we? Yeah. And that, you know, and the, and the Not whole... Not a nice image, yeah. And the, and, the whole, and the whole conversation around that. And here, instead, you've got a senior politician um, that's, that's using her position to promote something that's good, something where actually we've seen businesses and the public sector and voluntary organisations coming together to tackle an issue that we all want to see tackled. And she's trying to help raise the profile and raise some money and, and get behind this good thing. And on the other side, you've got Matt Hancock that goes into the jungle for his own 
I don't know, he's, he's own Raising name. awareness about dyslexia, apparently. Oh, um, okay. 140 grand. One thing I will say, 400 grand was the figure that was quoted. 400 grand. One thing I'll say about uh, Angela Rayner, though, I think she plays to it very well. And what I mean by that, there was a snippet of her in Parliament this week wearing a jumper, and she said something along the lines of, I can see nobody else got the memo about wearing a silly jumper day or something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm a ginger, gingers are for life. You know, she actually, she has got a great sense of humour, which you have, but I think we do have to be aware about our words. I'm going to put Michael Taylor on the spot now. Something that you're going to see him squirm. Okay. So I want you to visualise a scene, right? Okay, Michael, as you know, in fact, just make sure you don't trip over on any of the names that Michael drops on this podcast. Okay, so Michael's in a... Uh, so, Michael, you're in a you're in a balloon. You're in a wicker basket. You're going over the Alps or, or, or you're going over Patagonia. You're going over a mountain range. You've got two of your close friends in that, uh, you know, in that wicker basket with you. You've got Elise Wilson and you've also got your good friend, um, even though he doesn't mention you in his, in his books, Peter Mandelson. Oh, right? I didn't know him when he wrote <laughs> those books. Of the two of them, he's suddenly losing altitude. Okay, yeah. somebody's going to have to go. Who are you going to get rid of? Presumably you'll get rid of the one who's the least talented. Now, Elise is between us right now. So of the two, are you going to get rid of the Prince of Darkness or are you going to get rid of Elise? Sorry, Peter. <laughs> yeah, we've got to keep Elise on board. No, I mean, the, the, the serious point is that you're, that you're trying to push me down is I've worked with both of them and who's the best. And I'm saying Elise because Peter's best years are behind him. Yeah, he did amazing things. And I will never, ever understate the contribution that Peter made to New Labour, to the Labour government in the different roles that he served our country and as a European commissioner. And he's a very good chancellor of Manchester Metropolitan University, where I work with him at. But Peter's best years are behind him. Elise's are very much in front of her. How's that for a diplomatic answer? A better answer, Elise, would have been... I would have turned to my friend Peter and I'd have said, Peter, can you do me a favour and just talk some hot air into that balloon? Hey. And we could have saved the two of you. Um, you understand business because you run Littlewoods Butchers in Stockport with your husband, Marcus. You employ 11 or 12 people, I think. Your experience of running a business in Stockport uh, is, is you've got first-hand experience of that. Do you think Labour is now the party for business? I think, yeah, yeah. I think, and I will be really honest about this, there was, a, there was a moment where I think you'd go into a Labour Party meeting as a business owner and, you know, you're not sure whether you were really meant to be here or not. I think that is well behind us now. And with Keir and Rachel Reeves and Johnny Reynolds, you've got a team of people now who understand better the challenges that, you know, business faces. Um, so I think, yeah, absolutely, we are because we're going to be the we're, we're the party that's going to uh, that's offering now actually sensible, grown-up ideas, real leadership to tackle complicated issues that face us, um, and not come in with some tagline or some quick, easy solution to something because there isn't one. To be really honest and sort of say, no, this is going to take time. It isn't straightforward, but we have a plan. And we believe we're confident we can deliver on that plan. When you see taglines like get Brexit done and, you know, a glib forward statement as well about a really complicated issue, what do you think about that? It, it's such, such weak leadership. It's not even leadership at all. It, it, the, the thing is, you know, my, my husband says we, we get the politicians we deserve because as voting people, we want you know, we see a mess or we see a problem or or there's an issue that we've got and it's complicated and it's, you know, there's difficulties. And what we want is we just want somebody to come along and sort it out. And so we get 
somebody presenting themselves as 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 a as the next politician who wants whatever and they come with this get brexit done or whatever the tagline is to uh, to, to offer this simple solution to what is actually a really complicated situation. And it's disingenuous. Um, the, the, oh, um, uh, and the voting public go for it. But, but I think, yeah, I think we do, we, we are starting to see now a new breed of, of politicians, hopefully, um, across the Labour Party that are stepping up and going, yes, we accept that this is difficult. I'm not telling you that it's going to be easier. It's no quick solution here. We are all going to have to work at it, but we will and we can be successful. I thought that last week when, um, or the week before, when Gordon Brown and Keir launched um, the, the review of governance in this country and... All the questions from the um, from the from the media superstars who were all they're all given the first question. Beth Rigby from Sky was like, "People are suffering suffering a cost of living crisis. Isn't this a bit indulgent? Promising to abolish the House of Lords, which was just like summing up an easy solution to a complex problem." So, what was your evaluation of um, the work that I know you contributed to on Gordon Brown's review of governance in this country, in particular the imbalance between the regions and? And the potential for doing levelling up properly in a labour way. I thought the piece of work. I think it was really important. Then and that Keir asked Gordon to do that work. I think he was the right person to do it. I think it's incredibly important, which is why I really wanted to be able to contribute, and why I'm really pleased that I was able to contribute to it. Um, I think it is broken the way the country is there is broken stuff everywhere we go the trains aren't working one of the things when i was thinking you invited me here and i'm thinking oh is there a train strike am i going to be able to get here so the, we know trains are not working we know you know the energy we've got issues with energy we've got issues with healthcare, care generally we have you know worries about education school skills talent pipeline innovation you know the economy right so we go on and yet um, what we're not seeing until Gordon's piece of work was a solution that looked at rewiring those problems to go in. Actually, if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we always had. So now we can really need to radically th rethink how we're going to do that and bring some, um, uh, some, some, some trust, power and ability uh, and disperse that across the country so that we can see the talent that, that comes from all kinds of places and be successful and do what they need to do uh, and come up with a solution. So, no, I think it's a really important piece of work. Uh, I think uh, the point Michael makes is actually spot on, actually. There were 40 recommendations in Gordon Brown's report and yet the conversation was about the House of Lords uh, and this that, and the other. And actually, it's incumbent on journalists, actually, to, to, to look under the bonnet and actually not go for the easy line. That's why podcasts are so popular for, because you can really talk about it as well. Um, you've done something so far. We've been talking, looking at my watch for 30 minutes, so we're going to wrap up in a second. One thing you haven't done so far is come on here and absolutely lampoon the Conservative Party. You haven't. You haven't done any name-calling. You haven't done any, um, you know, any, any, any nasty, easy, cheap shots as well. And that, for me, is quite sad because that means that you're unusual as a politician. You know, you just talk about the place. You talk about the people, don't you, as well? Um, if you had a dinner party, right, if you had a dinner party and you had Liz Truss on that dinner party, Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson, and you work in a butcher's business, okay, what meat would you serve them? What would you, what would you serve them? Now, I should just say 
Matt, you've got your manicured hand across your face now with your fantastic uh, nails immaculately decorated. So that's come as a complete shock to you now, right? Okay, but you've got the three of them around the table, the three prime ministers. What are you going to serve them? I mean, because I would imagine for Liz Trust, she wanted to grow the pie. So you might be thinking about a meat that works very well for a pie. Boris Johnson, of course. Now, Boris Johnson wants, his, wants everything, doesn't he? And he's got to have a voracious appetite. So he's going to want something that's really going to satisfy, I mean, levelling up. I mean, he was the advocate of levelling up, but actually, arguably, didn't deliver on it. So they're around the Christmas dinner table right now. This is a plug for Littlewoods, you know, the butcher's business that you run with your husband, Marcus. What are you going to serve them? I am going to serve them something that they've not been talking about, which is a serious issue that they've got, is about the food that we have, how we make it, where it comes from, and how we get it to people's tables in an affordable, sustainable manner. Little Woods is very much at the forefront of that. So I take something that's come from um, maybe, you know, one of our, a piece of beef that's come from um, one of the, you know, rare breed animals that we, that we get from local farms in the area and talk about actually what farming's about today, what's gone into making this happen, the fact that Littlewoods Butcher's been here since 1964. Everybody who works there was an apprentice there. Really? We still take apprentices now. We train them all in-house. They all live locally. Um, we have a network of suppliers and places that we supply that are local to us. And, um, and we're very, very proud of that. That's why, that's why you are different to other politicians. Because if I'd been a politician, I was interviewing somebody, I would have said something cheap and, and churlish, like, you know, well, I'd give him a sausage or <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd give him a 72-inch, a 72-ounce rump steak because that would be the only thing that could keep Boris Johnson quiet for 10 minutes. I would have gone out with a really glib sentence like that. But you said you don't do, you know, um, you know, short bite politics, you know, where you come up with a glib line and that's the end of it. There's more to it than that. And that's why I think, Michael, um, I think it would be sad if uh, Elise Wilson was a name that disappeared off the North's political radar. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, is it? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I think that's all we've got time for on this week's Northern Spin Extra. Just a reminder to give us a good review, either on Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, make sure it's five stars as well, by the way. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at northern underscore spin one. Thanks again to our colleagues, to Ellis. <laughs> I like to say that because you've finally been able to meet somebody who says her name differently, even though yeah. it's quite similar. Yeah. And, and to Sam from What Media for recording this podcast and to Elliot Taylor for providing the music. My name's Michael Taylor. And to Oscar Technology as well. And my name, as always, is Chris McGuire, half French. <laughs>